Welcome to Story Life. This is a podcast about the ups and downs of living a creative life through the eyes of two independent filmmakers. My name is Clinton Cornwell, and I am here with my co-host... Alan C. Gardner. This is episode 19, which was recorded on January 30th, just a couple weeks ago. And folks, this is the first episode that I'm not on. We have a special guest who Clinton will intro in a second. She was delightful. And basically my schedule and her schedule were at complete odds with each other. So Clinton did the interview and discussion with her solo. And I... Really enjoyed listening to it. I miss you, though, Alan. I miss you a lot. Uh, Anna Baumgarten <laughs> was our guest, and and she was fantastic. She's she's a great filmmaker and writer, supporter. Give her your likes, give her your clicks. Yes, you know. But I, I did miss you, Alan. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I miss you know being able to be a part of it, and especially after hearing it. She sounds. I mean, she sounds wonderful, and I definitely want to check out her work. Disfluency. I'm excited to see that one when it's out there. I need to check out some of her short films too. But yeah, no, it was it was kind of it was. Cool. I wish I could have been on it, but it was really cool just listening to you guys cook as well. Just listening to you guys go. So yeah, man. Good work. Good work. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll get to that momentarily. But before we get to the episode, I just wanted to let you all know that me and Alan are not just podcasters. We're not just filmmakers. We're not just humans of Earth, but we are also creative consultants. And coaches, we have a business. Story Life is not just our podcast, but this is the name of our business as well. And so if you need any sort of artistic support and you like the vibes that we bring to this podcast, it's the same sort of vibes that we bring to our business. Hit us up for a free 30-minute consultation, you know, to figure out if it's a good fit. If you're an actor struggling with performance, if you're a director figuring out your craft or trying to crack an edit, or if you're a writer working on a script, we're available to help with it all. Yeah, we'd love to talk, love to connect and help you in whatever ways you need to. Bring some structure or encouragement or uh, extra motivation or, or what have you. So, yeah, hit us up. All right. On that note, let's dive on in to your conversation with Anna. Hi, my name is Anna Baumgarten. I am originally from Michigan, and now I am a Los Angeles-based writer, director, and producer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you may be wondering, like, why? who is this dude, and why did he even, like, reach out to me? Like, I, I don't know if you have that, but um, you did me a, a quite a kindness. I was like, uh, I, I don't know if you remember this, probably not, but... I was applying to the short to feature lab. I saw that you were in like the year before I was applying and I like reached out to you on Instagram and you were super helpful and like gave me all, all these sorts of like tips and like encouraging stuff. And I was just like, wow, this was really sweet because I reached out to some other people from that class. I, I got a couple more responses, but certainly none to the level you were. And so I was like, I just want to support this person. Like, I don't <laughs> even care if her stuff are, is good or I don't even care what she's making. I mean, just like just this, this is a kind soul and it just need to support this person. So I've been kind of like following you since then and sort of following along with your journey and stuff. And it's been really interesting. I'm going to not that not that we're in competition, but it's been interesting because Disfluency and 12 Months were kind of essentially playing this, the festival circuit at a similar time. I'm going to be a little bit honest here, but like I actually sort of muted some of your stuff for a little while because you were getting into so many festivals that 12 Months was getting like rejected from. And I think now having like watched the film and I really enjoyed it. Great job, by the way. But having watched the film and I'm not trying to like ambush you or anything like this, but this, the podcast is all about honesty. So yeah, having watched sure. the film, I totally understand and why and especially being on my own journey with like 12 months and like the ups and downs of like disappointment and ecstatic feelings that go along with being a filmmaker and stuff yeah me and my uh, friends have been talking about that me and my filmmaker friends a lot recently just like the constant rejection that you have to deal with no matter what like level you're at or whatever it is it's just something like I have to mute pe- I have to mute friends of mine I don't even tell them I do this but I have to mute <laughs> friends of mine sometimes because it's 
during, especially like during submission, like when you're submitting a ton and you're hearing things, it can be stressful. So I totally, I totally get that. Well, and it's not even like, it's not even that I feel any negative feelings towards you personally or anybody else who I see successful, but it just, it just feels a little bit bad every time you see that stuff that, that you're not a part of. And it's just like, at a certain point, it's not, it's just not worth like the conscious pain that you it's like a little tiny needle in your brain every single time and you're like why do I keep doing this to myself thank you for for admitting that though because I was like after watching the movie I was like oh I completely understand why she had a successful run with this film and then I was like you know what she's probably sitting here at the end of her festival run thinking about parts that she's didn't go as well as she might have hoped that they would or, or certain successes that she wished she had had and and that's just kind of part of the journey I guess is that you have to sort of feel good about the things you do accomplish be proud of what you have done yeah but also recognize places where you missed out and maybe could have done better it's it's definitely the nature of the beast god film submissions are just I mean it, it's always hard to look at your own work and like think about success in yourself or at least I find it difficult I'm extremely grateful for every festival we've played at the awards that we've won the audiences that we've connected with and the people that have recognized disfluency it is hard sometimes to not like look to your left or look to your right at the other people around you but that's something I really try hard not to do I've actually gotten a lot better about it and some of the I guess medicine for that sitting in gratitude like the more I take time to just sit and I mean for me it's I talk to God sometimes and I'm just like hey like I'm so glad I'm here I'm so glad that I've gotten this far but it's you know I deal with anxiety and depression and all sorts Mm -hmm. of things so those things creep in your head and they're saying you know you're not good enough or like you could have done better or you know you missed this opportunity and fighting those with gratitude I think is the best thing I've learned to do and I also just in terms of mindset coming from a place of abundance as opposed to scarcity. So when I'm in like that abundance mindset, it's like there's an unlimited supply of opportunity and love and success for everyone, which is the truth. I can see my friends be successful and colleagues and mentors and people I aspire to be more like be successful and feel very grateful for those things too but it doesn't always feel like that so it's i i have to like actively put on that put i'm put on isn't how i want to say that but it's like recon conscious reframing of like what's going on in your mind and being like why am i feeling this this is okay to feel but like does it make sense is there a better way to be like thinking about this stuff yeah is like a process i feel like i have to do a lot for sure yeah and i think with like the muting For me, it's less about seeing what other people are getting into versus not. And it's more just being constantly surrounded by the industry and by film. I love it so much, but it... I want to keep that special place of love for it. And when you're surrounded by it constantly and every time you open your phone, it can get to you. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. And, you know, something that it's important to me is I'm kind of always wanting to gather data, right? So it's like, you know, as a filmmaker, as a creative, there's like an unlimited ceiling to how much you can improve. And and for me, I'm like, I want every single data point on like how I can improve and get better, right? But you have to be conscious of like, okay, these, these are the weak spots of the work that I did or how I could have done better possibly, right? And how can I use that to improve going forward? Like that 
that's a constructive conversation you're having with yourself versus one where it's just like, oh, this just feels bad and I'm a horrible person and like I, I'm 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 not creative. Nothing I have to say is valuable. You know, that the sort of just purely negative voice in your head. And that's the one that, like you said, is good to like really balance out with like gratitude and stuff. But the thing I almost fear more than not being good enough is that I'll stop improving or that I'm bad and I think I'm good. <laughs> Like that's, I think that's my biggest fear. Do you ever deal with that kind of stuff? I definitely think the feeling of like, am I going to grow from this or what I'm going to make next going to be going to like surpass this? That is always, that's on my mind, but I, I'm trying, I try to really trust the process. And when I am extra nervous about things like that, I I call on a lot of people around me to kind of ground myself. Yeah, no, no. Getting getting feedback from the people that you trust is is always very good for sure. That is definitely a good way of rounding that out. What do you uh, I saw that you're in like development or something as your day job? I work in TV development and unscripted TV development. I've been doing that out here is my bread and butter for the past seven years. I like what I do. I really like that I can be creative in that part of my career and that I can, it's also different enough from the indie side of things and the making my own shorts and features. It provides a lot of stability and routine for me, which I actually really need and thrive on. You know, it, it also it's it's been flexible enough that it's left room for my own creative work which has been amazing yeah, yeah, that's that sounds like an, an excellent job to have to support yourself. You know, especially in the entertainment industry or being artists or whatever, I feel like stability is underrated. I, I feel like the times when I'm most able to be creative is when I have everything sort of secure and I can kind of like not entirely, but sort of like turn a little bit part of my brain off in terms of worrying about certain survival things and stuff and know that it's going to be okay. And that's great that you can have the flexibility to get time off or for whatever uh, when you need to and stuff. I think that's the other like special ingredient. I worked at the New York Film Academy for like five years when I was living in LA and it didn't like pay well. I don't love that company. It's a for-profit school. I don't necessarily love how they take care of their students and stuff like that. But I carved out my own little niche there where I had like a very easy but steady job that also I could just take off essentially whenever I needed to that was sort of like that I feel I credit a lot of like how much I've been able to get work done and make films like that was a big part of that because my brain wasn't taken up I wasn't so exhausted by my work and I still had room to like be creative and go out and do stuff even after my full-time job hours and and then yeah it wasn't like locking me down to just like weekends or whatever yeah part of my journey I'm lucky I was like to speak in gratitude I was lucky to have that you know crappy easy job at New York Film Academy I I agree with the like stability of everything I agree with what you said about stability being underrated I have had periods of time where I've been I'm full-time right now, periods where I'm full-time or freelance. For me, I I kind of go through cycles where I can handle a lot more at times. Yeah. So sometimes I can have a full-time job and then go home and work on all my creative stuff. Other times I'm like, I don't even know if I can work right now. I'm like yeah. coping with anxiety or whatever it might be. It's been a good choice for me me personally yeah well then that's good of you if i may say like it sounds like you've given yourself some forgiveness and that stuff when those times that like it's not your fault when you're dealing with anxiety or whatever or any of these these things right but it sounds like you give yourself some level of like forgiveness and acceptance when it comes to that stuff which is i'm sure helpful on the journey as well 
Yeah, definitely. Especially in my early 20s, I felt like I had this gigantic clock in front of me that was like, you have to figure things out by this time or like you have to hit these benchmarks. I mean, we all do, right? Like, I mean, even even in life stuff, like you get the job, you get married, you have kids, you get the permit, like whatever it might be, whatever your version of that is. I definitely have that in my head and I had to actively work at letting it go. I mean, my version of that's very career focused. So I've had to kind of let that go and take what comes. Like in college, I never expected to have made a feature film out of school. I was very set on pursuing television, which I still love and I still want to work in. But if you told me that I made like a feature film a few years out of college, I don't know if I would have believed you then uh, just because I'm not tremendously... Or I guess I am more so now, but I'm I'm really committed to like the writing side of things. And but now directing is something that I feel really called to do. So that's been a fun fun thing to learn about myself throughout this. Yeah, yeah that 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 is an interesting journey. I listened to the only other podcast that I could find that you'd been on, like your friend's podcast or something that you had, and I found that interesting that you had envisioned yourself more as like a writer and sort of. Not fell into, but kind of followed the muse, it sounded like more as it like called to you and it's like people around you supported. How, what has that transition been like for you to sort of like, I guess, redirect yourself? And do you still feel like as passionate about writing or as like directing kind of overwritten that a little bit? Well, I would say that it's a lot of imposter syndrome that I've had to deal with when it comes to calling myself a director. I still have trouble saying it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, I have trouble saying I'm a lot of things that I've actually done, but directing is particularly kind of elusive to me. Yeah. But writing, writing is still my first love. Writing is still the do or die for me. Directing is definitely something that I'm trying to pursue actively right now more than I ever have in my life. And that's been very exciting. So I'll kind of see where it goes from there, but I'm kind of leaning into the universe and what opportunities come my way. Not just that I'm sitting here waiting for them to come. <laughs> I'm, yeah. you know, seeking out in all different directions ways to, you know, move forward in my career. But I'm also trying to be open to that looking different than I think it does, right? So if I'm pursuing directing for TV, but let's say somebody sends me a script and says, hey, I'm looking for a writer. I have the financing. I really want to do this. I think you'd be great. Being open to opportunities like that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I also, I've been on a few podcasts. Well, I guess I wasn't very good at Googling. <laughs> oh, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Um, I think you might have listened to Katie Sieta's. I can't. That sounds right. I just remember you two were like friends. Like oh, you okay. had talked it about was, the fact that you were like friends. Yeah, it was probably Katie. I also want to plug the LA Diversity Film Festival who hosted our Disfluency LA premiere. They Oh, no, yeah, they're great. They had me on their podcast and that was really great conversation too. Um, I love, that's, I love that festival. Yeah, yeah. I had a short screen with them a few years back. Uh, Son- Sonia, right, is the, the, the one of the executive yeah. directors, mm-hmm. I think. So what does that look like in terms of you're saying you are, like, pursuing well, – well, well, two, two, two answers to this question, or maybe they're the same answer, but, like, pursuing directing, like, what does that look like for you right now? Like, is there daily actions that you take or are there bigger overarching goals that you have right now or things you're working on? I'm just curious. So right now I'm at the gathering information phase. 
and that yeah. I'm really putting my feelers out to everyone I know and I'm trying to seek the right kind of representation and I'm looking for shadowing opportunities on sets and I'm trying to figure out what my next step is with my own personal time and resources. You know, is it like, you know, make a short film that's very different from anything I've made to show range? Is it make a spec commercial? Is it, you know, what's the thing that's going to help me most getting to the next stage of being a director? What do you think that next stage is? Do you have an idea of like what it is you're shooting, like these things are angled towards? Like I said, I'm I'm asking a lot of people right now who have more experience than I do. Um, women that I know that are directing TV, I'm reaching out to. And also some showrunners that I've met and producers and any anyone I connect with. I'm just trying to pick brains right now. Uh, so if you know any brains I can pick, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll think on that. I'll think on that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the sense that I get from all that stuff is like, no, nobody seems to have a good idea <laughs> on that. Like, it sounds like you're doing the right work from everything that I hear. It's just sort of like putting yourself out there and then hoping something eventually will come back to you and stuff. Has there been, um, writing wise, how do you approach that craft for yourself? Or do you have like a very disciplined, like I write this much per week or are you writing with a partner? Like what is, what does that side of your craft look like right now? I took a pause with writing for a while. I mean, just out of sheer I didn't have the time and energy and capacity Mm. to. So right now I'm getting back to it in a big way and working on that. I have, I have a friend or two that I'll, I'm I'm not a big writer's group person. Like Mm -hmm. a a lot of people, I have a few close friends that I will, once I have something, I'll send it out to them or we'll hop on a call. So I kind of work with my writing that way, but I'm, let's see, I'm a little bit of a chaotic writer. Uh, <laughs> in that I don't. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to create more discipline and get X amount done in X period of time. But I, because I do have to kind of fit it in, I have to like work with the time that I have. Yeah. Yeah. I well, feel like a lot of um, people are in that boat too, because you know we all have we got to pair around, we got to do yeah. other things. I got to sell this movie, so we'll see. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we'll circle back to that. Um. So what the, what does the, the time you have look like? Like for me this year, I'm trying to minimum three hours a week. It's been like one of my New Year's resolutions, three hours a week dedicated to writing stuff. And I gave myself a little bit of a commitment device to that end where I was like telling the students and other faculty members like, hey, I'm going to be here writing three hours every week on Monday to incentivize myself to do it. And I feel like for me, Three hours is like a low number, but it's something that I feel like I could realistically achieve. But again, I said the the for me part of that is very relevant because everybody's like writing is such a brain process. And I feel like everybody has to learn how to work with their own brain and shouldn't try and keep the expectations of other people on to their their own personal brain because everybody's brain is different. So I guess how much time have you been able to squeeze out recently? I'm sorry, this isn't meant to be a guilt trip about you not writing enough or anything like that. No, 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 that's that's not it at all. Um, So what I've been trying to do is kind of keep it to two to three pages a day. And do it that way. And if I am having a hard day and I don't think that I can, I I, I at least make myself open the project daily. That's like the baseline. And five minutes I have to stare at it, even if I don't write a single word, whatever it may be. But right now I'm actually in a very similar way to what I said about directing and collecting information and kind of seeing what my next steps and my path could look like. I'm doing a lot of research on scripts right now. I have two that are more sci-fi. So I am... Like, I'm, I'm just doing a lot of research in that area uh, and also reaching out to people and talking to them about 
like the concepts, like one is set on Mars, right? So yeah. I'm like how this community of people that lives underground in kind of like a matrix Mad Max-esque world, like what are we looking at? Like, is everything 3D printed? Like what kind of food is there? Are there animals? Like those kinds of things. So I've mm-hmm. been having conversations around that kind of stuff right now. And a lot of that has been informing what I can do with characters and how I can build the world. Okay, that sounds good. That kind of sounds like writing to me. It is. It's, I'm, let's, you know, the outline phase, which. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was going to ask that actually. So you, you have this page goal. I was like, where's the room for outline? Like, that's why I kind of set things by time because I feel like for me, so much of the process is outlined. Like, I outline like really extensively so that I have as little intimidation at the blank page as possible. And so I guess this idea of pages per week or whatever what if you're not in a space to write pages yet or do you feel like you're always in a space to write pages and you're just always happy to kind of like trudge down that part of the process regardless of how you feel about it so in terms of outlining I've never been a big outliner there is a place for it and you do have to do it I don't think almost anyone can get by without outlining but Mm -hmm. for me it looks more like a single page or two I haven't done like a big step outline or a treatment in a long time. I mean, for work, I've written like show Bibles and other things before. So yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've done it the extent of it, but for my own, like my own creative projects, I do a pretty basic outline and make sure that I have like the core moments first. And once mm-hmm. I have that clarity, it's not as hard for me to get like lost in it. Mm-hmm. So I try to write out the big moments first you know, just literally just the scene header and like one, two sentences max of what's going on, what the core of that scene is. And then if I feel there's more to fill out, I'll do that. Or if I feel like I don't quite know why this is going, you know, or like what's right after the midpoint or whatever it may be. And I will write, start writing those scenes. So I'll like write the first 10 pages. I'll write the mid, like five of the midpoint. I might write, you know, part of the crisis. I might write the last few pages, whatever, or like a scene that I'm excited about. So just as long as I get myself writing out of the gate after I have like the basics of the outline, that's what I do. And then when I get stuck, I go back to the outline and I'll like fill it in a little bit more. So it's not as linear of a process, but it's like the process that I, it's, I mean, it's my creative process and it's how I get it done. (laughs) So it's, it's worked uh, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, that's, that's great. Totally different from how I do it. Yeah. Are you a big, big outliner? Yeah, I mean, like, the the feature that I just finished the first draft of back in December, we had, like, a 45-page outline, I think. Because I, for me, I allow myself to be, like, looser and freer writing in an outline. And the script page feels very precious to me. And so it's a way of, like, breaking my brain around this outline where I can just kind of throw whatever at it and not be precious about it at all and just slowly, like, molding that over time. And then when I finally get to script... It's a lot like more loose and a lot more free. That's been like sort of my process to break the fear of the blank page. But I mean, I think, you know, I'm a big advocate of everybody. You know, I tell my students all the time, even when I'm teaching writing, I'm like, hey, this is this is a way you can do it. This is a way that has worked for me that worked for other people. Please do it whatever way works for you. Like try this out if tweak it to your needs, you know, because like, yeah, there's no one way. And anybody who says there's a one way, you know, fuck off. Yeah, I, I had a professor at University of Michigan who said, you know, even Picasso had to learn how to paint a still life before he was Picasso. And that really rings true to me. And that I think that students 
I think that you should learn like a very constructive way to do it. And like the way that a lot of like you'll be expected to do in the workplace, like, you know, writers get paid for outlines, like you need to know how to do it. It's an important skill. So before you can break the mold, I think you have to learn how to work within it. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind of like my take on it is like learn it. Like you don't have to do it forever, but like really try to learn it and like get good at it and then figure out where breaking it works for you. On uh disfluency i mean i'm sure you get this a lot i really love the sign language moment like on the dock and stuff like that i think the movie really like clicked into place for me in a lot of ways when when that scene came together and i really loved the minimalism of that so uh great job on that but you're in the looking for distribution process of the film it sounds like where is your emotional state now with with the whole film like and what has come of it for you to this point because obviously there's still a lot more to go ahead of it i have for example for 12 months i have the final distribution contract from our distributor like sitting in my inbox and i need to check it out and stuff but i've already had many waves of sort of like ups and down feelings uh, about the film so i'm just curious as somebody who's kind of in a similar timeline and is me like how's where are you at with it now how's how's it feel when when did you shoot your movie by the way we shot it in quote-unquote like real time over the course of more than like two years we would come back and shoot a few days a month for a many months in a row so we actually started shooting in june 2017 and now just finally getting out to the world oh yeah we've had a similar Similar uh, timelines of living with our projects because I made the short film Disfluency with I, I wrote and produced it and Laura Holiday, my dear friend and very talented director, uh, directed it. But I oh really yeah we shot that in 2017. So I like wrote the short and then from there I developed it into a feature and now it's 2023. <laughs> like you, we're you know gonna release this year or I don't know if you're releasing this year, but I hope so. Assuming I can deliver the fucking thing at some point. <laughs> I feel that. Um, yeah, so I don't I don't have a lot to share on distribution right now. Ben Wiesner at Vanishing Angle is our sales agent. He's also our one of our okay. EPs. I mean, he came on the project from the short to feature lab. He I mean him and Jim run it. So I don't have anything to share right now, but Well, I'm more concerned. I'm curious more about your emotional journey with the film, not so much the status of like distribution or anything like that. Oh yeah, okay, sure. So um yeah, I mean it is agonizing. <laughs> I mean, the periods of time where you're waiting is hard. Like when you're waiting to hear from festivals and, you know, our strategy was really to uh, not make quick decisions. So we really wanted Mm -hmm. to play all the festivals. We did a whole year and some change with the movie. And now we're figuring out that end of things. But of course, as soon as I was done editing it, I was like when can we release it, you know? Yeah. I really want to share it with people too. And also, as I'm I'm sure you know, when you share a project with the world, it's like new to everyone, but it's like five years old to you or whatever time period. Yeah, yeah. Which is nice because you get to see it as a new thing through other people's eyes, but you also have to be like, okay, like <laughs> we're, yes, it's exciting again. Like, I'm going to look at it like I've never seen it or I'm going to, you know, I have to share in this enthusiasm, even though I've kind of lived in it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh God, it's just like this giant block of time of my life. I'm going to forever, no matter what happens from the film, I'm always going to be able to sort of like look back of it. And it's sort of just like a timestamp over five years of my life and like how different parts of the process where we're when different things are going on in my life. And it's like I was a different person almost, you know, when I started shooting it 
shit, in six months, it's going to be like six years ago that I started on the project. And it's just insane to think about that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. It has been such a big part of my life for years at this point, at the center of my life. And I know people who were like friends with me before the film and friends with me after. Like, I have friends who don't know me without this movie. And that's strange. I mean, it's cool, but it's strange because it's become a part of my identity. Or at least it really feels like that, which is great. But I'm ready to share it with people in a big way. And I'm ready to look ahead to whatever the next thing is. Has there been some good results already from you or some positive things that have really come from your festival run and stuff so far? Like, is there anything concrete that's come out of that that you can share? Yeah, I've I made a lot of like good friends on the festival circuit that are from all around the country. And I've kept in touch and you know, we've had get togethers in LA. I went and visited Austin after we played there in 2021. And I got to reconnect with all these cool Austin based filmmakers. And that has been so cool. Meeting audiences and seeing it resonate with audiences has really stayed with me. And it is just a constant reminder of like, I guess why making things is important. And I don't know, because I, I don't know if you feel like this, but I have moments where I'm like choosing to do something creative. Like I, I didn't choose to be a doctor, right? And directly help people. Like yeah. I could have done something that was like a service, but I, I chose to do something that feels or felt for a long time very selfish to me. But I think it wasn't until I made this film and shared it that I realized like, oh no, this is my gift to share with people. And it does have an impact and, you know, creating media and telling stories is really important. So I kind of had to come to Jesus with that in the last year. Yeah. I mean, not that any of us ever wants to be the artist with who's like, oh, I'm so important or anything like that. But I think there is a lot of power in art. I mean, certainly that's why I got into it. I'm sure it's similar for you is I felt the power of art as a viewer, like long before I started creating it. And there's a massive, if you're, if you're doing it the right way, if you're creating art the right way, then there's a massive like vulnerability to it. And I don't think that there's a lot of people who are willing to make that choice for themselves and expose themselves in the right way. Now, there is there is the wrong way to do it, which I think, the you know, media, movie, TV can definitely be exploitative and like contribute to culture in negative ways for sure. But I, I just watch your film. I know you're not doing that. And I certainly would like to believe I'm not doing that. And then that kind of creation is extremely valuable. And it's the kind of stuff that we don't have enough of. And I it's the kind of stuff that not many people are capable of, of taking that journey because as I'm sure you felt just as I have, there's a lot of, for all, for all the joy of it, and like we're choosing this, you know, obviously we don't have to do this. We, we are privileged to do this, but there's a lot of pain that comes along with it and you have to be willing to like stomach all of that pain to, to get to the good parts. And I think just most people aren't, nor should they be because it's really, it's really hard. I tell people don't, don't, there's too many people trying to do it as is, I think, when really, like, it's only a select, I'm not even going to say elite few, just a select few who are cursed with the need to <laughs> create and, and give ourselves to other people that way. Yeah, it's definitely one of those. I mean, filmmaking is definitely like, if you can do anything else with your life, do it because this is such a challenging path in so many ways. So if this is your calling, and it's 
what you're supposed to be doing, do it. But if you've got other <laughs> options, go do those because it's not for the faint of heart. Oh, yeah, I'm good. Like, like so going back to what you said, like, I wish that I had wanted to be like a doctor or something like that. Or I wish that I could be like totally happy and satisfied just being like an accountant or something that's like really stable and like always in demand, you know, like that sounds amazing. But instead, I have a an endless drive to create this very expensive, very laborious art that so far only like small slices of the world have responded to. And who knows if that slice will ever grow bigger. But I think I don't think it's about the I think it's way more about the impact of the slice as opposed to the size of the slice. Oh, yeah. At least. Absolutely. So I found, yeah. Oh, no. And I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, I definitely beat the drum a lot for trying to be just very process oriented. Like if you don't enjoy the process, like the results don't really matter. So I completely agree with you. I guess I was speaking more just from like societal success standards, which we don't get any of those. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Something else you said. Oh, so speaking to like vulnerability and I don't know, I I'm from Michigan and I will have people say like, oh, it's so cool. You're out in L.A. and you're, you know, doing this and it's really different and sounds scary and or intimidating, I guess is a better word. But I'm like, I have a lot I have a lot of people in my life having kids right now. And I'm like, you think that I'm like brave for pursuing something creative or like making a movie, but you're like making a human <laughs> like you're <laughs> have like there there's like different. I don't know. I think when you're in your lane where you're really called to be, what you do feels, or it comes naturally, I should say, right? Like I, I was going to say it's easy. It's not easy, but it comes naturally and you, it feels like what you're supposed to be doing. So for me, that's what this is. So when people, yeah. you know, from the outside of the industry or whatever it may be are looking in and it looks cool and glamorous, I'm like, but what you're doing, I like can't wrap my head around because it's so like that's so brave and intimidating to me to like start a family I mean it's something I want in my life but do you know what I'm saying like totally yeah yeah just I don't know I just think it's like different perspectives and my sister is a nuclear engineer and she's like you know she watched the movie she's like I could never like I couldn't even think like that like how do you think of a whole story like that and I'm like how do you like deal with the reactor core i don't know yeah 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 totally and i I mean i have the same thing too where people you know as you make films because even being a one-time feature filmmaker is like a big privilege i'd say like the large majority of filmmakers never get to making a feature film and i have so many people say those very wonderful things of like admiration or like you're so lucky or like I could never do what you're going to do and I'm I'm always just sort of like I don't know there's not anything special to what I'm doing I feel like you could do this too I'll show you the ways come on you could do all these things but the truth of it there's a fine line there but like it's not true because if everybody could do that they just they would they would do it if it was that easy you know and so but at the same time you don't you want to be proud of what you're doing, but you also don't want to be like, I guess, superior in what you're doing. So that's that's always an interesting space to be in. Yeah, I I mostly just find myself battling the imposter syndrome of where I'm at. <laughs> but it's hard to hear. It's hard to. I mean, I've had to learn how to take a compliment that might sound silly, but no, no, no. I so relate to that. No, I've I've landed on mostly just saying thank you, which kind of I hate that. Yeah. But also, I, I haven't come up with anything better. So I, I completely relate to that. And still, it's what I want. Ultimately, you want people to say nice things about your work. But then every time they do, you're like, this is horrible. How do I respond to this? Right. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a challenge. But it's great. Overall, well, it is it is positive. 
Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, now that I think about it, you know, in that moment where somebody's saying something nice about your work, there's a slight shifting of like power differential just in that one moment. I think we're responding to that because it's like, you're giving power over to me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't deserve this. I don't want this. I don't deserve this. Is not what this is about. But thank you. Thank you. Oh, I don't think I've looked at it like that, but that makes a lot of sense. Well, it's something in my time in Hollywood, like I've always thought, like, you know, you have family members and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, you, you're, there's celebrities everywhere. It must be so cool to see like celebrities. And I'm like, yes, it is. But also, I would never want to approach any celebrity as like a fan or say that I like their work or anything like that, because you're giving that like they're immediately not going to see you as an equal. And ultimately, trying to get in this industry, you only want to be seen as an equal with all these people. Sure, yeah. And so it's 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 kind of along the, those lines, I guess. The only celebrity that I've, like, gone up to in public is Bill Nye the Science Guy. I saw him in a restaurant. And I, like, waited till he was done eating. And then he got up. And then I got up. And I, you know, walked on over. And he was like, listen, if you want to take a picture, like, it's the lighting is better outside. So we can, like, go. And... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's used to, and I was like, no, no, Bill, I don't want to take a picture with you. I just want to show you a picture of me in a stroller and my brother holding a sign when we waited like three hours at the mall in Michigan <laughs> to see <laughs> you in person for like five seconds because he was a big part of me and my siblings TV viewing that's, as children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's great. That's great. That you, so it was a positive experience, I hope, overall. Yeah, it was great. And I, uh, my three siblings are all engineers. And he's like, they're changing the world. And he's like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm in TV. And he was like, great. <laughs> Which I was like, yeah, that's the right response. Definitely need to cheer- cheerlead the scientists. I'm all for that. Why specifically TV are you interested in? I I mean, I love that you can live in worlds and characters, stories. Like you can give them as much time as they need, mm-hmm. uh, at least in a dream world where you know how much time you're going to have with the TV show. But you can you can do a lot more with it. And I like the ongoing stories and I like the interweaving. And as we all know, TV is changing constantly right now, right? Yeah. Like who knows what TV is going to look like in five years or 10 years? I mean, some people have their predictions, but the landscape is so interesting to me. I'm a big fan of TV. I love watching TV more than movies. I like becoming friends with characters and they're very, TV is very comforting to me. Yeah, I just my my it's got my heart. I love TV. That's great. That's great. We might have to bring you back for like another episode or something like that because I famously on the podcast put out my anti TV stance many many times. Oh, not wait, that- <laughs> you're not you're not just like yeah, I like movies more. You're like anti TV. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I don't know. I don't begrudge anybody for watching television, obviously. Like, the the, the amazing thing, television just feels good. Like, it's a comfy, warm blanket you can wrap yourself in, and that's lovely. I, like, also just feel like, huh? Not all the time. What do you, where does that come from? It seems like you have a specific. Oh, just there's, there's, I mean, I love a lot of, like, dark shows that I have to, like, you know, I can't watch for long, like, that don't feel like a hug. Like, I don't think The Handmaid's Tale feels like a hug. Oh, God, The Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) But I, I do understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, and I think the thing that I worry about with television is, and this is this is the main thing, is that it doesn't end. I, I worry about the the part of television. And look, it seems like we're kind of shifting a bit here. 
going to what you're saying, but like I worry about the part of television where it's like the goal isn't to tell you a complete story, but to get you to watch the next episode and to continue to to perpetually watch the next episode. And so I worry about that. And that's the thing that I love about movies, like because I have the same thing, like it's harder for me to get up for watching a movie a lot of times. Like it's harder for me to motivate myself, even though I am an anti-television person. Like even it's the same same for me. Uh, I'm just characterizing myself as that. But um, there's not a lot of instances in television where I feel like I've watched something and I've learned more about life and existence and like the human story. There are a few exceptions. But I feel like that's a much less common experience in television for me personally than it is in movies. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like it just doesn't end a lot of times, you know. But again, as you said, it's changing a little bit. And I'm I'm I do, I think there is the power there for like for example like transparent like the first season transparent and like the wire and stuff like that are examples of TV shows where I like would like watch an episode and be like oh wow that that feels the same kind of like I've learned more about life kind of thing as a movie so I'm not saying it can't exist I'm just saying like this is this is where my crazy person stance of be, being somewhat anti TV comes from see but I think oh I could talk about this for a while see this is why we got to bring you back and we just we just do TV versus film for like an hour yeah TV teaches me so much that I could talk to you for an hour about it so give me a couple I mean we're running I want to respect your time and we want a couple of minutes tell me tell me if you could sum up a couple quick lessons about what you feel like you learned from TV well from a from a storytelling perspective, I like the exact reason that you said bothers you, I guess. I don't want to put words in your mouth. TV always, it's trying to make you just watch the next episode in a certain yeah. way. I think that that is like great shows that you that you just want to keep watching are excellent lessons in storytelling and tension holding. Holding tension is like... That's how you keep people watching things. And then what you do yeah. with that tension or how you transfer it to me is what makes a good storyteller. And I also just think in terms of culturally, I feel like there's so many television shows that are like cultural showpieces that people tune into and watch and influence and reflect it in a way that movies, because movies like the production of making a movie from the start to the end often take longer than getting a TV narrative out. Mm -hmm. And you're if you're going to, you know, you shoot TV faster so you can change things. I'm not saying like dramatically, but you can manipulate it to reflect popular culture in a way that you can't true, so definitely. much with movies. So I just yeah. think that there's tons of things like that's good that's good i like it i like it this has been great thank you so much for giving me some of your time here i hope it's been an enjoyable conversation for you too uh is there anything you want to like shout out or any call to action or you know all of our two listeners that we have for this podcast maybe you could encourage them to you know tweet at you or something like that well i'm on instagram and twitter as annabella bomb and i don't have i guess i, I will say Disfluency will be coming out this year. Please look out for it and please watch it. It's quite good. I think a lot of people will really respond to it. So I give it the I give it the stamp of approval for oh, sure. Awesome. Please please give her your clicks and your VOD dollars and all of those things. Yeah. Um thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you again for for being a part of the pod. And now I'm in your debt. So hit me up sometime if you ever need if you never need any, I don't know, a podcast guest or script notes or anything like that. I don't I don't, I don't work in that currency. I mean, I don't work in I'm I'm happy to help you if you need anything. Just just let me know. Um, always okay. happy to talk, and if I have the time and capacity, always ha happy to oblige. Again, thank you so much, and uh, you know, keep in touch. You know, maybe maybe we'll, we'll actually bring you back sometime if you want to chat again. And um, if I, I 
truly, if I can ever return the favor any 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 sort of way, please hit me up. And, yeah, thanks. And I'll, I'll I'll unmute you from my Instagram finally, so that <laughs> so that I can see what's going on with you. <laughs> awesome. Please do. Okay. Um, but yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you for everything. And for th- thank you for thinking of me and thinking of disfluency. That means a lot. So appreciate it. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, it just comes down to, you know, not to compare us, but I feel like we're in, we're in the same cohort here. We're in the same sort of like peer group, even though we live in different cities, but just like the filmmaking peer group. And I feel like we shall stay as connected as we can. We shall rise up together. We shall help each other out as much as we can. So I just wanted to have this conversation and connect with you a little bit more. So thanks for giving me that opportunity. Yeah, thank you. All right, that wraps up the nice little conversation I had with uh, Anna. Thank you all for checking it out. Thank you again, Anna Baumgarten, for for coming and joining us and being our first like one on one guest. I called her the guinea pig in the episode, uh, but <laughs> luckily that. it was it, it didn't seem too painful of a conversation. What did you think, Alan? That was great, man. I mean, I loved hearing yeah her insights on imposter syndrome and uh, stability in her life and next steps and as a director and writing process, all these things that are very relatable i feel like a lot of filmmakers especially indie filmmakers can relate to in one way or another like festival rejections and i love what you talked about you know living with you know gratitude and whatnot and just having that perspective uh it was cool man yeah it was um again hopefully we have her on again i I love to talk to her next time but it was really cool just listening you guys go Good stuff. You guys can gang up on me about TV because I fucking hate TV. All you out there, oh God. listen to oh me. My God. I Clinton, fucking hate TV. It. Cut it all. Save get rid of it. Burn it all to the ground. Wow. You're this is really, going to be my podcast brand. Burn the fucking See, TV was, to the ground. I was, try, I was trying to be gracious because the one part of the episode I listened to that made me like go like, oh, Clinton, was <laughs> when you go into the TV spiel. Cause especially because she loves TV so much. You're like, yeah, fuck that. Anyway, TV. I'm like, oh, Clinton. Um, <laughs> but that does remind that does. I'm like, don't do it, Clinton. That does remind me, though. I do want to do a TV and film conversation, whether it's just me and you or bring her or whatever. Like, I want to really get into it because honestly, listening to this episode, too, was the first time that I ever really heard you give some sort of an explanation as to why you don't like TV. I feel like I just hadn't heard that before. I feel like I've been curious about it. I've actually been wanting to bring that up. Yeah. So I was kind of glad that you brought <laughs> you brought it up with her, just because that that filled in some some gaps in my knowledge. But uh, I'm really I'm looking forward to getting into it. With we'll br- you because, we'll bring her you know, on, and then we'll bring somebody who on who shares my side of it, and we'll have a little two on two TV versus film debate. I'm I'm a film guy first and foremost. Like it just always have been like a lifelong film guy. But like I also like TV is like right up there for me. I love TV. I'm a TV advocate. So so just so you know, guys, this is not like a one sided. This podcast, you know, we represent all kinds. You know, TV level. Lovers, TV haters, you know, we're both here. So it's a well-balanced uh, view of, of these things. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to having an episode where we really dive into it. Anna, I've got your back. I respect you. I appreciate your viewpoint. And I am here to advocate for you and your love of TV. <laughs> I will fight for it. All right. Sounds good. Where were we? <laughs> uh, I think, we that, I think the- that's it. I think that's all the things. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. So... <laughs> You can contact us at wearestorylife at gmail.com. Also, please check out our website, wearestorylife.com, where you will find more information about us and what we do as coaches and consultants for fellow artists and how great TV is, as well as links to our Patreon and social media pages. Yeah, and if you wanted to connect with me directly, you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Clinton Cornwall. Always happy to talk filmmaking and creativity, or if you have any thoughts about how the show could be better. 
Happy to hear those too. Uh, likewise, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Vimeo at TV Lover One. <laughs> Just kidding, if only. You can find me at Alan C. Gardner. That's A L L E N C G A R D N E R. And on Instagram at Alan C. Gardner Movies. Also, Cold Feet is currently available on Amazon Prime, Google Play, and YouTube. And my other movies are available on several platforms, including Save Yourself and Act One on Tubi. And we got lucky in Bad Men on Amazon. And also, Being Awesome is now currently on. We got Tubi, Voodoo, and the Roku channel. So you can check that one out on any of those lovely platforms. Thank you to our editor, who, much like film, is way better than TV, Mr. Mike Jimenez, for all of his spectacular work. (laughs) And thanks to our friends and family for their love and support. We would not be here without all of you. Mike, if you were a TV show, I hope that you would run for 30 seasons or more, much like The Simpsons. <laughs> I would watch the reruns, Mike. I would just tune in. <laughs> With the reckless abandon. Oh, yeah, and families and friends, we appreciate you as well. This is fun. Guys, we have many more episodes coming up, so please subscribe and join us next week. This has been Clinton Cornwall and Alan C. Gardner with Story Life. TV rules. Bye. <laughs> TV forever. Do you want to intro or do you want me to do the Welcome to Story Life or do you want to do it? I'll do it. All right. <laughs> I'm just eating some, I'm eating some cookie dough uh, and drinking coffee. <laughs> Working myself into it. Nice. Getting jacked up for this one. Yeah, well, you know, that uh, that mid-afternoon <laughs> sugar and second caffeine, you know, so I did yeah. coffee and a sweet. That's uh... Welcome to Storyline! Yeah, this is going to be full-blown. I can't wait. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, welcome to Story Life. Yeah, no. Well, welcome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to story. No, see it. <laughs> All right, here we go.